Hello, bienvenue and welcome to Oblivious Book Review, the podcast where we speak about our recent readings and a lot of other things. Today, your hosts are Sander and Elio. And today we are going to speak about Exiting Growth by Eloi Laurent. Hello, Elio. Hello, Sander. So, How are you today? I am doing pretty well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good and uh, quite excited because I am the one speaking about the book today. Mm-hmm. So today, if I'm not mistaken, is our episode number 26. Yes. And I think that it, um, numbers are pretty important and uh, counting is pretty important. <laughs> Because it's the subject of the book we are going to speak about today. What a smooth introduction. Oh, yeah. People can handle me. <laughs> you prepared this uh, introduction very well. <laughs> uh, I put my best team of experts in marketing to start uh, such uh, such an introduction because you people can see, but the podcast is not barely me a sender. No. We have a whole team working with us. Uh, we have a communication team. We have an IT team. Social media. We have... Yeah, social media. We have uh, we have one or two accountants. Uh, I forgot. Yeah, somewhere on an island and <laughs> in the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> yes. No, well, this is joking. Yes. Uh, but all of this is kind of linked with um, capitalism and growth. And oh, is what we're going to speak about today. Oui. Today we're going to speak about um, exit growth from Eloi Laurent. Yes. Laurent, sorry. I uh, just want to say that I read the book in French, so most of the things that we say I translated from French. So if a French reader thinks my translation was incorrect, please tell us uh, in an email. You have the contact in the description of the episode. And um, uh, there is now an English uh, version of your book? Uh, I haven't checked, but I don't think so. It's quite recent. So it's only for the French speaking world here. Um, that's something, a problem I have here, mm. actually. Like a lot of my f- reference, a lot of the, the media I consume or a lot of uh, people I follow, they're still French-speaking. Mm. And I would like to have more international because I want to share it with my people uh, around here. Yeah. But very often, I have to translate it myself. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why I like this podcast because I make the translation. I have to make the effort and the, the tiny translation work yeah. uh, regarding the ideas what I've read. Uh, and then I can uh, share it with the people around me that way. Yeah. But I have to do this for every single thing I receive from the French uh, community language. <laughs> community, yeah. yeah. This tiny community yeah. of French. <laughs> yeah. Might be less people after the, the Corona crisis, that's for sure. No, no, I don't hope so. <laughs> Let's uh, dive into the book. Yes. That's why we're here today. So... Uh, this book, what does it talk about? It starts from the statement that we are facing three crises at the same time. Mm. Inequality, uh, an ecological crisis, and a democratical crisis. Yeah, okay. that, that's for you. That's gifted. Hop, you get this crisis in your face. Have fun with it. And okay. he, that's what the he, whole book... That's, yes? that's what he predicts in the future or it is what he sees at the moment? Oh, no, 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 it's what he sees at the moment. Okay. That's what is uh, right now oh. already known and uh, observed with num- numbers. It's not uh, 
what will happen. Mm. Uh, no, 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 no. We ain't there right now. You and me, my boy. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if I have to uh, summarize the whole book in one sentence, and then I will develop. But he's basically uh, saying that GDP is a bad uh, indicator. Mm -hmm. Which is something maybe you've heard before, I guess. Yeah, I heard more often that is very... Uh... The number is really, uh, just, yeah, you can interpret it very differently all the time. Mm. You can interpret it differently yeah. and mostly there are things it doesn't, it doesn't show. Mm. For example, the whole book is about thinking about the right indicators to face these three crises that I just mentioned mm -hmm. because what you can count, you can address. That's the main idea. What you can, what you can measure you can take care of because if you know like, uh, oh, we didn't have enough money, we measure how much money we have and we lack money, you can try to find a solution to get more money. Mm -hmm. And all your visibility, all your, your vision comes from the indicators you have. Mm. For example, if you want to know um, how long it will take for your pasta to be ready in the water, the temperature can be an indicator that is interesting. It's not like the, the most uh, straightforward indicator, mm. but it's interesting to know the temperature of the water in which you have your pasta. Mm. But if you were to look at, um, uh, I don't know, something that measures the, the distance that the water has made to come to your pot before, before starting boiling, it's not necessarily a good measure mm. or indicator to know how, when your pasta will be ready. Okay. There are things that are less interesting to look at. Okay. And, and um, what okay, so his main uh, question in his book to find the right indicators for those three problems you mentioned before. Mm, yes, and uh, not necessarily. He mentioned a few, but he, he is not advocating so much for specific indicators, really. Okay, he's just saying what they should measure. And thank you, Sender, for giving me a push to like uh, start uh, going through my notes. <laughs> for GDP. It's something that measure the, 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 the volume of the things that are exchanged every day, right? Yeah, uh, for example. Oh, yeah. Like for example, every time someone trades something, mm. there is value being exchanged. Mm. And this goes into the growth uh, development product. <laughs> mm -hmm. And this is, the, um, this is a number that will uh, be able to indicate how well a nation is doing because right now is the indicator we use the most mm. from um, the for large uh, large politics and from like uh, i guess the, every president or first minister of country <coughs> this is what they look at and this is what they they uh, promise as well when they're going to get elected they say we're going to increase growth we're mm. going to increase gdp and what eloi laurent says is that gdp is hiding more than not calculating it's hiding the things that are really important for human development mm. with a lot of focus put on human development in this book and it's um then it's either blinding the people that look at it mm. or it's like just not doing the job we we would like it to do mm. it's a quite uh, old uh, measurement actually the gdp came from the beginning of the century mm. from the 1900s so you mean yes yes okay yeah, not uh, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> not 20 years ago. No. Um, but it's um, 
it's something that is quite trendy nowadays that you can hear a lot that uh, people will critique the way uh, economics is done and uh, how we measure economy. Mm -hmm. But from uh, to solve the crisis that we are facing, inequality, ecology, and democracy, mm -hmm. GDP is ill-suited to do such thing. Yes, to solve those problems. Yeah. And so the thing he thinks, Edouard Laurent, should be measured to be a real proof of human development because I'm for me I'm just wondering what what he describes what is the problems within the democracy and the equality in the in the environment in his his point of view mm -hmm. but we'll get to there okay uh, with an example that you like and know the Chinese example oh, is one thing he takes a lot yes. or there is one chapter only for it okay what he called three flutes of China mm. teaser for <laughs> later in the episode mm-hmm But just let me uh, say the three values he thinks are the most relevant for uh, human development. Mm. And always this question of what is really human development. Mm. Right now, it's kind of uh, straightforward to think that it's growth. Uh, the, if a society grows economically, yeah. then humans are developing. But we tend to more, no, more and more that it's not true. No, People no. don't necessarily get more happy if their country have a bigger growth. No. So I have to say these three values now. <laughs> yes, go ahead. The three values that he thinks would be a real, really good indicators of uh, human development mm. are well-being, resilience, and sustainability. Sustainability. Oh, sustainability, okay. Yeah, I wrote it in French. <laughs> <laughs> um, So then when you say that, you're not done with the work. You still have to define like how you calculate well-being, yeah. how you calculate resilience, and how you calculate sustainability. Yeah. So it's not going to be the same thing for everyone. No, of, uh, depending on the country like, as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, culture. It would depend on the culture. On the, yeah. And even on the individuals, I guess yeah. you and me, we don't define exactly well-being the same way. No. So there is still some work to be done, and it's not... So easy, mm. but it's definitely a kind of a big, um, uh, big work that can be can be done. We've done some great thing in the past. We can still do. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so you have these um, three indicators, and so the book starts by. Do you want to say something more about these three indicators? No, I just Maybe tried to to listen to it and uh, see if mm -hmm. I understand, and uh, I will jump in later. Yeah. yeah, nice. Yeah. So basically, the book starts by um, explaining why we should change uh, our indicator, mm. why we should move on from GDP, which uh, exiting growth is what it means. Stop looking at growth as the thing that we should aim for, but rather um, a tool to, to uh, water the other objective humanity mm. should have. Because you know yourself, you have been having this feeling of um, uh, fulfillment stronger, even when you are not getting richer. It's not necessarily um, extra materiality uh, belongings that makes you happier. Mm. Not necessarily. There is an importance in it. Like if you have nothing and you live in the street and you're going to die as soon as you get sick, you have a hard time to being very happy. Yes. <laughs> But it's not the only thing. Neither it is the major thing. For example, one of the, the chapter is, up, 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 yeah, it's called the mondialization of solitude. Mm -hmm. 
All the chapters. So, solitude. Like okay, this. that's interesting. A loneliness. Yes, lone, well, I have a different type of loneliness. Yeah, then I should have said loneliness, I think. Cohesion yeah. station would be loneliness. And right there, he shows that uh, GDP is not a good indicator of happiness mm -hmm. because some countries that had a growth in GDP didn't have a growth in happiness. Mm. So that's really much how he, he advanced in the book is by showing this uh, non-correlation between what GDP should bring, mm. for example, happiness, and the fact that a growth or reduction in GDP yeah. is not correlated with the right thing that it should I influence. Think, I think as well, um, what also is interesting, if I just jump in, like... Uh, the question: mm -hmm. What is happiness? Because uh, you have this once per year. This is, <laughs> yeah, you have you have this uh, index. I think happiness index, and they have do do a survey around the world. Exactly. And, yeah, you know, uh, I didn't know, but he mentions it. And uh, and they, you see, all the Western countries are uh, still pretty high up in uh, this index as happy countries. You know, and uh, mm -hmm. and I question then how they how they do this survey in Africa because uh, I don't know how they how they for example distribute uh, the data from there you know like uh, how can you I don't know if you are uh, I, actually I can understand that maybe they get the uh, information more easily from yeah like uh, countries like Denmark or Sweden where they have an uh, mm -hmm. uh, like institutions who collect those data from the citizens how happy they are or whatever and maybe they have different indicators as well what they think is what is happiness is in their countries so I'm wondering always, I question always how, how really happy people are in those countries. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you think the study is biased? No, no, not biased, but I just question how the, the methodology around it, how, mm. how, the, how the data is collected. I, yeah, you only see the figure. You don't see, I don't see much what's happening behind the figures, how they collect it, how they uh, got um, uh, the, the data from different countries than non-Western countries, I would say. Mm. Yeah, but because the infrastructure is just very different, I've seen as well. If you go around the world in in very remote places, I mean, I've seen in the remote places pe people being very happy how they are, but I don't think that's uh, <laughs> I, I don't think that's really translated into these type of uh, indicators. Yeah. So you think if uh, there are ways to make an indicator of happiness, making uh, Africa having higher score, you think like Africans sh are shown as uh, less happy than they really are? Or maybe more, yeah. Maybe they are actually happy. Or maybe more happy. They may be more happy in real life than they're shown in documents. Depending, mm -hmm. but depending on the, where you are in Africa, if you go to a conflict zone, yeah, I guess people uh, are terrible. I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that plays a role. Yeah, <laughs> and it's um, it's a good question you raise right now. When we have this image, I will say kind of a cliche of like the Africans being a. Uh, yeah. very happy or very smiley but maybe if you really ask them with the question and if you look at what they have in their country yeah. uh, you, they don't get so much of a high score yeah. i must admit i haven't looked exactly uh, how the study of happiness is done no, me neither. i haven't looked at what they they use as indicators and how they calculate this indicator but it would be interesting yeah maybe i just just thinking out loud as well now like maybe they take in consideration the healthcare system and then they grade it somehow and they take it in this in index as well i don't know it was school system yeah. or whatever yeah access to education yeah. access to healthcare yeah so it's true that it could be biased towards how we live here in the western country 
And maybe it's a bit thought that way. It's not impossible to think that way that um, if we give higher score of happiness to the Western country, we're going to feel happier ah, because we're yeah. going to feel like, uh, oh, but at least here we're happy. We're fine here. Yeah. There is no problem. <laughs> true, <laughs> true. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm, a bit plot theory, but uh, yeah. why not being a bit uh, biased towards that way? Yeah. It doesn't seem too far-fetched to no, me. No, I can. Uh, yeah, I can. I never saw that side as well about it, actually. Hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, sure, like we have it good here. Don't try to look somewhere else. No. <laughs> <laughs> the same in couples, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so if I if I continue a bit on um, this chapter that speaks about the modernization of uh, loneliness, mm. they just Eloi um, not uh, they, okay. he um, takes this uh, a part of the report that show the most important thing for human happiness, according to this report mm -hmm. of uh, this report on uh, happiness. And so uh, material possession is not number one. Mm. It's number two or three, depending on the calculation. Mm. But the first one is social link. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then uh, Edouard Laurent um, shows you a lot of numbers regarding the fact that we have a lot and a lot more in the Western world Uh, disease that are associated with uh, being more lonely mm. and we have more and more people that live in bigger house but uh, with less people in, in it so we, we tend to isolate ourselves more in the west which is something you must have heard before as well well i mean uh, if you're in sweden that's a perfect example exactly yeah. and i mean like isolate yourself not to to prepare yourself from corona but uh, no. <laughs> like on a regular basis yeah. on your life if you if you are at, uh, i think the example he gives is If uh, you live alone in your home and then at work you are just like a boss that uh, despises you and you can't really connect with your colleague and you don't have an activity outside of that, like you're going to be very isolated. Yeah. Uh, we, well, human species are, uh, we need people to be linked to each other. We are, but I think at least, we don't, we're not good being alone in general. Mm -hmm. I think. And this is something that the GDP cannot um, calculate. Because if you're alone and depressed, you're going to buy, let's say, you go to the doctor, mm. bring, you pay, you, grow, you make the GDP grow. And then you have to buy a medication to antidepressants, bring, you pay, and you make the GDP grow. So actually, like, non-happiness regarding the social link Or is something that's good for the GDP. Or you go uh, shopping because you have to, you're going to spend your money because to feel better. Yeah, yeah. Oh, your consumerism. So that's one of the, the first time, one of the first examples that Eloi Laurent shows that the, the correlation between uh, GDP and happiness mm -hmm. is not that clear. If even, it might be the opposite. Mm -hmm. Like uh, from a certain level of growth, like in the beginning, it's important to go outside of like pure mere poverty, mm. misery. But once you reach to a higher level, extra growth might come from less happiness. Mm -hmm. I think you can see the, the more or less the curve in your mind. Like now I, I'm making it with my hands, yeah, but yeah. Uh, on a podcast, it doesn't... Uh... It makes sense now. It's difficult no, it to do. not really useful. <laughs> so yeah, GDP cannot attend for happiness mm. or for well-being. Too bad. But it doesn't stop there. Oh, no. <laughs> it becomes worse. Um, He speaks, I don't think I will be able to cover all the, the chapters, no. but he speaks about the fact that there is more and more a mix 
between uh, leisure and working time. Mm. That the fact that your leisure could be um, become a source of uh, GDP creation as well. If, for example, one person liked to draw when he was a kid, mm. and then he has to sell his drawing on um, Deviant Art or whichever mm -hmm. website, yeah. and uh, get some uh, community from it, and it has uh, an economical activity. Every part of a leisure becomes a source of work, and it's less clear the, the difference. And as well, the fact that we have our, our tools with which we can work close to us all the time, like the smartphone and the, the computer. Yeah. So that's just one thing, one of the chapters, pretty interesting. The chapter is not necessarily very long. It's not an extremely long book, Long book, no. but uh, I feel like the, the job was done. Like okay. I, I recommend it, okay. like most of the books that I speak about in the, the podcast anyway. Yes, yeah, well, that's usually when, how I experience when you read a book, you get a reference from a previous book or from something else. So it's mm -hmm. already kind of a snowball going on. So usually yes. what you read is, is kind of, you know, you trust the previous sources pretty well. So that's how it continues with the quality of the books you like to read. Yeah. So is that a, a certain proof of uh, you liking the book? Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess it's a good indicator. I think so. This is a good indicator. <laughs> I think so too. It's, it's more like uh, what the principle of... Uh, you get a recommendation from a friend of yours or whatever. You kind of follow up that yeah. easier than from somewhere on the internet, usually. Yeah, it usually is um, like this that I found my books, actually. Mm. It's someone uh, recommended to me. And what uh, actually I was wondering, what is this, uh, the section of China? I'm getting there. Oh, yeah, First, yeah, I yeah, still yeah, have yeah. to lay some more ground to it. Oh, but yeah, don't, yeah, don't, you, yeah. don't you worry, my boy. I have it in the back <laughs> of my mind. I'm getting there. First, I had to speak about the effect of GDP and um, politics okay. in a way that uh, it has been said that uh, growth and GDP is the key to bring democracy to a country. Okay. And uh, Eloi Laurent in the book shows that um, an increase in, PDP, in GDP can actually be correlated in our Western world mm. with an increase in uh, extreme votes. Okay. In Europe. Okay. And uh, when did that happen, for example? That extra... Uh, since... What, how long did he no, I mean, look at this? No, I mean, like, uh, did he have examples around uh, when there is a growth in GDP that there are more extreme votes? Or... Yeah. It's... Uh, you don't need to have examples. Just look at... You have uh, statistics yeah, yeah. for, like, the last uh, 20 years. How, what is the proportion of votes that are going to the um, extreme parties? Mm -hmm. And then uh, on the last 20 years, what is what has happened to the GDP in these countries? Yeah. And you can see that when the GDP grows, you can also have a growth in a extreme uh, extremist vote. But I think now non-democratic vote. But I, what I think that uh, well, I mean, in a longer period of time, uh, democracy is not really something that has been long around. You know, it's a very short uh, amount of time there is democracy in our society. I would say. Yeah, well, I will. Uh, okay, when I said a long time, then uh, <laughs> I consider like uh, the last uh, 50 to 70 years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you could. It, yeah. In a yeah, history. Regard of human history, <laughs> it's not so long. It's actually uh, democracy is still a kind of an experiment if you put it on a long longer time scale. Mm hmm. Interesting. Yeah. How it involves. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
I mean, uh, it has been most of the history uh, we have, modern history of or the written history we have is it has most of it not been in democracy. It has always been in kind of a, a kingdom who rules about a nation or uh, yeah. one emperor or whatever. But they didn't have much uh, GDP indicator at that time uh, either. No, diff- no, of course not. <laughs> Since we started uh, a bit more than I 100 mean, years ago. There was, there was this French guy who tried, uh, P- Piquet, what is his name again? Uh, Piketty? Piketty, yeah. yeah. He tried. You know about Piketty? Yeah, I once started reading that book, It was, uh, but I dropped halfway because it was so uh, long. <laughs> you read uh, Capital? Yes, I did, yeah, yeah. You were reading Capital. It's on my reading list now, but it's it's such a big book. Yeah. Like a tree like this, you build a wall. And it's like oh, so big. Yeah, that you have to sit for it for a few, a uh, couple of well, months or two. <laughs> yeah, at least. But yeah, like uh, it's actually we say like how do do we get our book recommendation? Mm. Uh, I was speaking about that book with a friend of mine, and re- he recommended um, Capital from Piketty. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so that's how I, I got to heard about him. So I'm surprised and happy that you know about <laughs> him too. <laughs> that's nice. Um, but yeah, on this book, so we have like uh, GDP that is not a good uh, indicator of um, happiness, mm. not a good indicator of uh, democracy development. Mm. And neither do we have GDP as a good indicator to handle the ecological crisis. Yes, because uh, if you destroy nature and uh, like uh, gather the resources uh, with a very voracious appetite, yeah. you for for a short term at least you will uh, increase your your GDP. You increase the number of goods mm-hmm. and exchange and the, the wealth of your society for a short time. Yeah, so it it doesn't see long time the GDP, especially in the the time span we look at it now. So this story crisis that we are facing right now cannot be addressed by GDP. And let me give a case study. Oui. China? China. Opa. China. So the, the, I liked it because the, um, the title of this chapter was called Chinese Growth or the Three uh, Sacred Flutes. Okay. Flutes? No, flute the instrument. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, flutes, yes. <laughs> And so China is a perfect recent example that has uh, of a country that have uh, suffered or experienced uh, extreme growth for the last years. It's one of the fastest growing economies that uh, I've seen on such a large scale in the in the modern world. And uh, well, we can see that uh, the growth in uh, China didn't. Uh, decrease the inequality. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I haven't spoken about the inequality, but uh, GDP is very bad at uh, assessing for inequality as well, because if one percent of the population creates all the wealth, you don't see it in GDP. Mm. Like if one percent of the population is doing all the economical uh, or at least getting all the economical benefits, the yeah. profits, it's it's not shown anywhere in GDP. You just see how much is exchanged. You don't see how m- it is uh, spread yeah. among the population. So I'm just going quickly over that, but it's an important part, the fact mm-hmm. that you can have a very GDP-happy society, but that wouldn't tell you that the, the people are more equal or that uh, no, people no, no, no. are I think, uh, not living. I think America is also a very good example in that uh, there's like 1% of the yes. 
people make i don't know like more than 50 percent of the uh, for example like the wealthiest people in america like one percent of the people in america who are really healthy they have uh, have maybe like 50 percent or so for the savings i don't know what it might be more yeah more than that i don't but that's what something what sometimes what i heard but it can be very skewed indeed yes yeah the number i have in mind all the time is 2016 uh, 90, uh, 80, sorry, 87% of the wealth created that year mm. went to 1% of the population. Mm. Like 87% of all the wealth around the world yeah. went to 1% of the population. I guess that includes you and me just by living in, uh, in Europe. Yeah. But still, you, you see that it's not, uh, we, we're pretty far from a communist uh, repartition right here. Yeah, <laughs> true. True. And so this, uh, dear Chinese people. The lovely uh, China. Lovely, lovely, lovely China. <laughs> China. <laughs> I'm trying to do a Trump accent right now. <laughs> <laughs> really bad at imitating him. I can't believe I cited him in our podcast. Now I feel <laughs> dirty. Anyway, um, growth, uh, in China hasn't been a good indicator for, uh, hasn't, led to decrease inequality, quite the opposite, and it hasn't led to increase happiness. Mm -hmm. That's the first route, like you have growth, but suddenly, surprisingly, as the um, economists couldn't really guess, the inequality hasn't decreased and the happiness hasn't increased among the population. Too bad, because you had growth, but it doesn't stop here. Mm -hmm. China is what we call, uh, some people call it a hard democracy. It's not democratic at all. It's only, yeah. There's only one party in rule, so I'm not sure what about... Uh, <laughs> yeah, That's a euphemism to say a hard democracy, okay. but I, I like to... Yeah, no, I, I shouldn't have said that even. You're right. I should call the, way, call the things the way they are. Yeah. And so the growth didn't lead to more uh, liberty in politics, didn't le lead to a more democratic mm -hmm. um, rule. Mm -hmm. Neither is on the economic plan either. It's still a tiny group that rules all the political and economical life. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yes. And uh, regarding the third side, the third flute is the ecological side. As we know, China is not really the most ecological place to be right now. Not the best quality of air, not the best quality of water. No. The cost of all this industry. So growth surprisingly didn't need uh, didn't bring a solution to the ecological issue either mm -hmm. mm. uh, so then the book ends with like um, a part that I won't be able to cover the extensively but no. he, he have a part that's called like act on the European uh, level on the t territory level and on the level of enterprises and just to summarize, basically, his recommendations are on the point of uh, acting on budgets and where do you allocate the money and the means mm. to, to do things. If you want things to change, choose where you put the money. And he thinks, uh, as an economist, that if you have the capital and the work, things should happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. mm. But yeah, to summarize all of this, what I said uh, Maybe speaking very... <laughs> uh, but I think uh, when I relate back to China... Um, China! I mean, China is just a very easy case uh, study to take because it's a very extreme uh, 
situation, I think. Easy or relevant? Yeah, yeah, of course, but uh, obvious. Would I even dare to say? Yeah, well, I mean, okay. On the one hand, China has a really big impact on the world, and um, hmm. I uh, yeah, I don't know actually. I mean, it has a lot of more dimensions in it than how maybe it's now how it has been shortly discussed. I think as a case study for mm -hmm. China, because yeah, uh, so good that you are the the counter voice because uh, maybe you have some uh, reserve regarding um, this analysis. No, I mean, I mean, uh, hmm. so because the main main thesis around his uh, book is that uh, yeah, the GDP. It's not a good indicator for these three uh, three values or three indicators on the environment and uh, these three crises. Three crises. Yeah, and exactly. Of, yeah, I guess the the most important factor for China is as well they need to grow in order to. Uh, well, I've, what I understand so far is the the, the general uh, idea in their politics is they, in order to keep the huge mass of. Uh, people who live in China a little bit satisfied is that that their living standards are improving over time and time. And uh, I think it's you you stopped your sentence in the middle and you said they have to keep growing in order to and then you jump to something else. Well, and I would like to try to finish this sentence. They have to keep growing in order to to what? No, to satisfy the citizens. As long as citizens are satisfied with the living situation and it still improves, then the GDP mm -hmm. yeah, uh, needs to continue to grow because uh, if the well, according to the to the world uh, report on happiness, yes. China didn't become more happy. No, when um, the people didn't become happier no. when this uh, GDP has grown. So it's not for them or yeah. except this study is biased, of course. Yeah, but if we trust these numbers. If we uh, might be trusted for for now, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if we if we just start this hypothesis, yeah. And um, the GDP didn't bring an increased happiness mm. for the people, so like it's not why China has grown. Then mm -hmm. it's not for the happiness of the population. It might be for the happiness of a few. No. It might be for a wrong objective we have because maybe we we have a wrong objective if we set the wrong indicators and we calculate and see the wrong things then we aim for the wrong things as well mm. we badly understand the question yeah and what would the consequences be if we don't focus on gdp because i think everything around it is already set in this kind of uh focus on growth like our uh, our our uh, national budgets and our uh, uh taxation aims and our uh I think a lot of that is um, intertwined with each other as well. No defeatism on this podcast, please, Sender. <laughs> it's not because we've built so much that we cannot build a new and better. Oh, yes, but... Uh, uh... Even cathedrals get broken down and repaired or rebuilt in a different way. Yes, I'm not sure. You don't need to break it all the way down, right? No, no, no. I think... What uh, the the author hopes, and now I'm just speculating, is that 
if we start to look with better glasses, with a better compass, because he said the GDP is a broken compass. So if we start to have the right compass, things will build themselves in the right direction by themselves. Mm. If we start to measure the things that should be measured for real human development, mm. which takes in account ecological uh, security, because the human development can hardly happen without the condition, ecological condition yeah, that uh, that's true. makes it possible. True, true. We are... Uh... We are uh, in in depth on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a subject I would like to really develop my point of view yeah. on in another episode if the book uh, lays the right ground for mm. this uh, subject. Mm. Yeah. But I just want to make a link mm. uh, between this book and the donut economy from uh, Kate oh, yeah. Wall. Yeah, I think I've, I've read the... the I read that book down on my list, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's uh, pretty trendy as well. I discussed about it with a friend when I was reading this book. And uh, she criticized as well the fact uh, to use GDP as a measurement for human development. Mm. She uh, as well, she's one of the others that criticized the fact that this is a bad indicator. So it's not something entirely new or such a revolutionary idea mm. to criticize an indicator which it was just this book has been for me the entrance into this critique <laughs> but it's something that's pretty spread yeah. like a, a lot of none of the economists that created the theory on which we're building economy right now could have foreseen the world in which we live in right now a lot of things they didn't predict so a lot of people said that we shouldn't use their their theory to build the world in which we are right now mm. because it doesn't apply mm. they didn't plan this world mm-hmm. true but oh yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Not, mm. I'm not. I don't know if you want to add something, but I have a quote just for the the end when we will be done. So it's uh, yeah. I don't have much to add now at this moment. <laughs> I hope I wasn't too excited while mm. while speaking about it. I know I can have a tendency to mumble if I don't uh, focus on it. So <laughs> tell us in the comments. <laughs> And so the, this quote that I want to finish with, uh, it's in the conclusion of the book, after the part about how to act and after uh, everything, he says this, which for me sets the right indicator in a way. He says, in other terms, what is at stake is the hospitality of the planet for the humankind and more precisely for the most vulnerable of us. Okay. Because what is at stake is not really like how much money you will have on your bank account. It is how much the sp- spaceship Earth on which we only can thrive mm-hmm. is in, in a good state. Mm-hmm. The, the hospitality of the planet to the humankind, because life we know will continue without us. Yeah. But we, it's like your house. You, you want your house to be as a, um, welcoming mm. as possible and for the more precisely for the most vulnerable of us this for me inside of me made an echo regarding what happens with the corona crisis right now and the fact that a lot of people has to make effort for others like all the people that are not necessarily in risk groups they have to get um, to cripple their liberty to uh, help people to help others and themselves people that might not even know 
like me being young and don't having a specific uh, disease it could make me into a risk group if i if i stay home it's to protect others as well the people that will be in trouble situation mm-hmm. could be me mm-hmm. but it has more chance to be there some people have a higher chance to need this help mm. so i think this was a good link between these two things all of what i said made sense yes. yeah <laughs> yeah for me it does For me, okay, does. so that's it for me. Okay. I mean, uh, but do you just does this uh, author has multiple books or actually? Yeah, he wrote other things and uh, a bit in on the same um, way of thinking, very the same uh, ideology. Mm-hmm. I would say, I think he has a theme and he's not hiding from it, Good. which I like. <laughs> just maybe like a French uh, characteristics, maybe. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, so next week we'll have the chance to hear you again speaking yeah. about the book. Yes, I have. Um, uh, I have one book. Uh, it will discuss more about humanity itself. I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because here on Oblivious Book Review, we d- we're not afraid. <laughs> no. We speak about the entire economy of the world, and then humanity as a whole, and then <laughs> the universe. <laughs> yes, we. Um, I can only. I will only tell. It's a novel again. Interesting. Yes, it's a novel. I was in a novel. Uh, uh, I wrote a few novels uh, in a sequence, so. Uh, It was an interesting book, I would say. Cool. Yep. Looking forward yep. to hear from it. See you, Sender. See you soon. And, uh, And uh, see you, everybody. See you. Hey, you.